Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of the Bingham Group, and welcome to a very special Juneteenth episode of the show. I have with us a returning guest, Karan Spearman, who is a freelance writer based in Austin, um, also a writer for the Austin Chronicle. We'll be getting to an article, a feature article you just uh, saw we posted today. Um, I'm sure yeah. we'll be running in the next run next, next week, but we'll get to that, and it ties to some of the points we'll be raising today. Uh, so first, man, happy Juneteenth. <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh you know for those who who haven't been on social media in the last several weeks and for those maybe you aren't from texas uh or a state that recognizes juneteenth um as a quick background juneteenth is an annual celebration that started in texas um and it the origination was um when when news was received by the union i'm uh, sorry by when news was received um, in Texas of the Confederate defeat and um, surrender to the Union. Um, this took place, I forgot the exact, the exact date, but it was several, I believe the time after the you know, victory had been declared in the East Coast. Yes, for sure. But it was, on, it was on June 19th, so Juneteenth. And it was a Texas holiday, um, you know, celebrated by slaves, or freed slaves, and over the subsequent years, most likely through migration of folks from Texas to other parts of the country. It was an informal holiday. Certain states I know recognize it as a state holiday. Texas has obviously for a while. Um, but in recent weeks, um, a number of uh, companies not in Texas have started recognizing it as a paid holiday as well. And, you know, I, ha you know, I have my, my thoughts on that, but Karan, you're someone whose opinion I always valued um, very well. And I'm saying this as a, saying this in the right way, very, very well articulated comments and posts. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. One articulate black man to another. <laughs> you know where I'm coming from. I'm, yeah, right. But, uh, I've always respected your comments. They're all thought out there and such. And I want to uh, get you on to talk about a few topics that have been on my mind as I see a lot of um, uh, private sector responses just to uh, you know, a lot of it stemming from the murder of George Floyd and just reactions to the Black Lives Matter movement across the country and right. what are your thoughts we're, we're gonna go through a few things but first wanted to get your thoughts just on the uh the, you know the proliferation of um of juneteenth um as a national holiday particularly by by private companies um i feel a few different ways let's hear it's, it's, it's uh, if it, it seems i mean obviously it's, it's very reactive um which you don't necessarily want to see but at the same time um, overdue, overdue, right? You, you, you want that, uh, like you want, um, something of ours to be, you know, recognized. Um, I just, you know, at the same time, I feel like that, you know, it's a lot of this sort of, well, what I'm seeing now with a lot of private companies, private, uh, large corporations is, um, I'm not certain if it's a movement or a moment for them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a difference between the two things. Are we, is this, does it suggest a, a, a culture change in your company if you're recognizing it? Or is it just kind of something that we're kind of, we're doing now because it is of the moment. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I think it's the, 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 the whole proliferation of Juneteenth. We'll, we'll see how that actually goes and how that's, um, continually sort of how that evolves we'll yeah. see I'm, I'm on a wait and see kind of a thing right now i think that's like most of black america 
honestly. <laughs> and that, you know, that, that point came to me because I had a friend, uh, a college classmate had reached out to me earlier this week, and he's, a, he's a, an attorney, has his own firm based out of Florida, and he's a Vietnamese uh, background. And he'd asked me, you know, just one of my thoughts on what he should do for Juneteenth, um, for, you know, in his office, should it be, and I think there's, he's one black employee, right? But what should they do um, with that, if anything? And I said, look, man, in the day, my personal opinion him as a friend was, you're not, you know, you're not a Texas company. I get it. You're based here. Sure. But particularly not having like, you know, if it's just you as a, you're a solo firm or solo owned firm, it's you, you know, black, black leadership and you have one black employee of a, you know, a more majority office. I don't see the really the need for it. And I'd said it'd be more meaningful. And he's been, he's been working towards this anyway of, of making your office as a movement versus a moment thing, more inclusive having more conversation, I mean, just making it inclu- overall inclusive, making right. sure people feel, um, you know, to the degree you can, because we all have biases, you're, li- you're lowering those and making sure people have what they need to succeed, regardless of their race, creed, or color, versus having everyone give the day off, or even having a service day, right? Right, right. Personally, for me, you know, that's my, my own personal black opinion, I'd rather have that than just the day off, if we're going to do anything, because to your point, it's a moment thing, but for us, and this is me just speaking against my black experience, whether this, whether this, um, whether this time and time and place changes anything or not, we're still black and we're absolutely until literally until uh, even after a death, you're thinking we get buried, right? Like it's, so there's no, there's no, this is not moving for us. It is really our lives. Right. And it always will be. And so I, um, what I told him was what, what would be more impactful, like, you know, to, to people like me is that versus the day off, because it's just the day. Off. So it wasn't really mean, particularly if you have the day off, but look at your, your leadership team and I see no people, just no black people or, right. or no significant, no, no significant track record of having any kind of development program to identify leaders who are diverse, but particularly black on those tracks, right? And then right. I'm not talking about just the, like, you're wearing a Nike shirt, but I'll give you the example of Nike. I don't mean just, when I look at it, it's not just the, the creative jobs. I mean like the CFO track, the jobs that lead to the senior suite, right? Absolutely. And you know, the financial, the attorney jobs and those kind of things. If I don't see, it's just, and then I think I'm speaking for myself, but I would assume uh, we, we, you know, we're, we're all keen on this stuff. We see what companies do. We also look on the back end and say, yeah, I see it, but what does it really mean if no one in the company in the last 20 years has been even remotely, you know, of the black race? Right. And then on top of that, you think of, um, you know, your business practices. Are they also, have they been inclusive or are you at least going to change the way that you, let's just say you're, I'm not going to name a particular bank. Let's just say, you know, a handful of uh, banks and they're doing a thing on, you know, related to Juneteenth or whatever. Okay, cool. Are you also going to uh, investigate how you provide loans or who you give loans to for homes and businesses and small businesses and things like that? So I'd rather see those sorts of changes than you reckon again, like, then you recognize a day. I mean, that's cool. I dig it. That's a step. But kind of look at how you, you're integrating diversity into your program, into your business, um, into your personal life from your platform. Mm-hmm. Um, 
whatever you can do. That's the other thing. I don't want people also to think when I think of the Juneteenth thing, it makes me think of this sort of broader thing where people are kind of wondering what they can do. Everybody, you know, you have your own platform. Do it is not, you know, people are like, well, some people are giving a hundred million dollars. Some people give 120,000, people are hundred, $120. It's, it's, there's a thing. I'm not like a super religious guy, but there's a saying that I, uh, I think about a lot, equal sacrifice, not equal giving, mm-hmm. you know, and I live by, I live, but I think about that a lot. So whatever you can do, if it means doing Juneteenth, if that's your sacrifice, then do the, you need, you need to, that's your step forward into something or, or a catapult into something, then yeah, but it should just be Juneteenth really should be you instituting that should be a catapult into more. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be like, oh, we just made this day. You already have, you know, no, it should be a catapult directly into increased diversity, directly into more integrated uh, business practices. That's the hope. It makes me think of what, man, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, time was flying by when uh, yeah, you had several members of the, you know, the Democratic leadership doing the, they were, you know, the kente cloth and, and, and you're taking a knee and everything else. I'm like, well, yes, I saw, actually, I mean, just from what I saw on uh, parts of Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, I mean, you know, the memes on that, <laughs> right. On black Twitter, we're not, it wasn't forgiving. And uh, I mean, to me, I posted about that. I just said, look, in the day, you know, it's all well, nice and good. Oh, well, and good, but it's past the policy for us as we, right. you know, for us as a people, I feel like just what history has shown these things are gestures in their moments, but like ultimately, you look at the 60s, right? The Voting Rights Act, um, desegregation of schools, all those things took policy. I said this on other shows too, and that's what we need. Um, days off, these kind of things. I mean, they're, they're symbolic, and I agree, like there's, there's steps that get you that open a company or open a organization to move forward. So, you know, fair enough, because we have ultimately things that start someplace. Right. But, um, I think it comes down to the policy part, the things that are long lasting and enforced that I, when I look at the arc of our lives, right? If we have, you know, if I have kids or grandkids, those are things that are really going to touch them more, their lives significantly more than, um, than someone kneeling at, you know, the MLK stu- or uh, uh, MLK minor where they were at two weeks ago. Right. Absolutely. It, it means, I mean, I'll be honest. And I think I speak for a good amount of black America on this. It really means nothing. No, I mean, what do you want me to do, right? Oh, yeah, we're kinda cloth and da da da. But I didn't really pass the bill, pass some laws, pass the policies, don't him and ha. And you know, you study the sixties you know, with when LBJ was president, I mean, it was the same kind of stuff, right? People were like, go slow, this and that. Like, no, like it took a little a lot of NAACP, NAACP lobbyists and the grassroots to really push it and say, This isn't going this isn't gonna be just a moment. It took a hundred years to get to that point, right? And this is going to happen and it's going to be, you know, it took legislation to push it and LBJ got it through, but it wasn't just, it, w- it wasn't about some, uh, some pressure about, you know, that was coming from the White House, from uh, the White House, I'm sorry, from the Absolutely. leadership. So, right. Yeah, man. So let's get to also, again, I just saw your post on Facebook about your new feature article in the, in the Chronicle. And that does, that relates to, um, you know, I think you saw the news last week, Aunt Dawson 360 reported about blues in the green and um, Jackie Vincent, who's you know, a local, you know, I think past rising star um, yeah. in, the, in the black musician in the Austin community. Um, but she had pulled out of 
of, uh, of participating in Blues in the Green. And for those not from Austin, Blues in the Green is a, uh, it's a, you know, it's a week, it's, I don't have a run, th- I, can't, I guess a run through the summer, early, early fall, but it's a weekly music event out in Zilker Park. Obviously it's changed now because of COVID. I think they were going to call it Blues in the Green, like, or it was going to be streamed live, but it was a weekly free event. You go out there, um, just bring, you know, picnic basket and such and hang out. Honestly, it's so packed at this point. Sometimes you can't even hear the music. It's more about being outside. Right. And she, I'm just paraphrasing because I hadn't read the article uh, in, in a while, but she had pulled out basically because just, you know, the lack of black musicians and the historical lack of black musicians that had been featured on that, um, on, on Blues and the Green. And in her mind, just at least in her words, um, you know, she realizing she had a platform at this point and she chose to say, I'm, I can't participate in this thing and be that, that one, right? right? Because I'm the one who's known. And I think for a lot of, for black professionals as well, who might be in, in certain fields where they are that one, they, they can relate the tokenism of it all. They can relate to that. Right, right. I thought, Absolutely. Yeah, he's creative, but like, that, that's something that threads across a lot of, particularly, I think, progressive cities. Especially right. progressive cities, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so with that, though, you know, so, but, you know, that within that day, I think I saw the article around noon on last Friday, um, a lot of powerful people in the local Austin music scene that normally would not have uh, probably responded, responded to that at all did. And she bent them and got what she, you know, she, not got what she wanted, but she got, she will be curating the first all black lineup for Blues in the Green. It, you know, powerful, right? I mean, she used a platform and. I looked at that again. I'm not, I'm not in the creative space, but just that ultimately is that right. When she didn't have to do that, she could have just no, she didn't played and you know got got the got her face got her, her name out there more, duh. But you know, and she she said in the article is enough. It was, it was a risk, but I think we all have those moments where we realize like, what are we gonna do? And most most of us is not marching. It's not to march or protest, and the you know on the grassroots. It's just. It's, it might be that one move to make, though, that open, like I mean, what happens here, she's opening the door for a lot of black musicians, particularly, potentially, that would not have seen a lot of day on that platform and, or that exposure, but for her taking that stand. I think even, they kind of tread very carefully here. Um, the other thing of it, if you looked at the opposition and the opposition was, you know, uh, Andy uh, Langer, who's, you know, a pretty prominent kind of gatekeeper type. Um, you know, he ha- he issued this whole thing and, you know, he's the one that kind of, you know, gets the kind of the, the blues and the green stuff kind of organized and all that. And the idea was the initial issue was that, well, we don't know, we got to find out who draws. Who would come out? Who can we actually get to, you know, come out here? Who's actually going to come out and do the thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the reasoning was was fuzzy. The reasoning for not booking more black artists was incredibly, uh, it was really nonsense, quite frankly. It was, it was nonsensical. Um, so based on that, I mean, that's very informative. You know, what he, of course, he, he had a, a big, long, you know, Facebook apology and that's, and that's fine, but it's the thinking alone. You, look, he said what he said, 
Okay, he said what he said. I give him the apology and the whole thing, but he said what he said. We basically what he said was, black people don't make us enough. He, there's not enough value there to put black people onto this uh, uh, more black people onto this ticket. And now the irony, of course, is it's called blues on the green. Yeah, it, it's called yeah. blues yeah. on the green. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. So. You know, that, that idea, I mean, and you know, the suffer. Who, who's the last person, black act or, you know, we're a black, I think the suffers were there in 2016. Mm-hmm. So now we're here in 2020 and we're talking, you know, and now we're still having this sort of conversation or finally having this conversation. Hey, real um, quick, though, I, go again, ahead. For those who, if you, if you Google blues in the green, I have friends, like you again, literally, most people, most people are going now as for the scene. It's too, I mean, back in the day, back 20 years ago, it was a thing you could really listen to, you could be up close to the music. Right. It's massive. You go out to Blues and the Green, it's the same space, it's on the same footprint where they have ACL Live. Right. ACL Fest, rather. And it's, it's, it's massive. So unless you're, you get there early and you're very close to the stage, you're going there for the scene and see your friends and to be amongst kind of a crowd of folks. And have a great view of the skyline and such, right? In Zilker Park. That's right. what for. I mean, I've seen I mean, musicians themselves. I think it's the, the event is the event, right? The event, right. sorry, the event is the draw. Obviously, for some folk, there are folks who care about the musicians for sure. But I think, and I think Jackie mentioned this in her article. I mean, it's a huge event. Like, it's not I mean, musicians matter, but people by and large are going because it's a scene. Right. And, and it's about who you want at that scene. Free. And it's free. It's free. It's free. And it's about, from their standpoint, the people who put it on, it's also about who they want at that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's, you know, I don't want to gloss over that part either. I want to, I want to make sure like the, if you're going to do this and you, you had Jackie do the whole thing that, that kind of says that it's not to say that it's going to be an entirely different crowd, but it's going to be more mixed more than likely. Okay, you're gonna have, you know, so it's like, who do you want showing up at your thing? Who is the ideal person that you want coming and um, coming to Blues on the Green? Um, I think that has a lot to do with it too, and there's a lot of other things we can go into with that, but and we won't right now just for sake of time. Well, I do want to bring, I will bring up a little bit a minute about Texas Relays, but I think that actually brings up a good point about that. We'll get to that right. in a second though for those who know that event too, and what just uh, some uh, other news. I saw the other day, but uh, related to that. Um, but yeah, man, again, I think that, that, that shoes are platform. So again, I think a lot of folks, the average last night goes that for the scene, but on the musician side, I think what's key is they are getting, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's exposure for them to play in front of a huge crowd, just that level up in terms of experience doing it, the media around that, right? The, you know, their, the videos and the photos. Yeah, it's like, a good gig. It's a great gig. And I think, um, you know, just, I mean, I haven't been one of the one of those events, you know, even pre-COVID in years, right? right. Um, but yeah, obviously, seeing like whoever she picks, I mean, seeing something different, particularly just being a black Austinite. Anytime I see just all, you know us and featured in places where I normally don't see us, that immediately immediately gets my attention. And a good, I'll give you a good example of that. Um, a few years ago, there's a group called Black Violin, right? It's two brothers, yes. uh, not related, but the brothers who uh, who. They play. They mix in classical violin with hip hop, and you know it's. They um they were playing at you know the Longstar downtown, and I'm on the I'm on the board, and you know we the, 
they're very cognizant of trying to draw all kinds of crowds to the, you know, to the, the, the venue. It's downtown, great venue space, outdoor right. venue, and it's a jewel of a city. And I love it. And what I, it was telling though with that event because, you know, with marketing and stuff, you know, you know sometimes you don't know who you reach, right? But I remember when they were featured as an artist coming through, I had friends who honestly, I didn't know whatever went to the long center for anything that were calling me asking about it, right? Hey man, can you get us, t- you know, can you get, not get us tickets, but can you, yeah, I mean, just what's going on, you know, how can we go to this, right? My kids looking forward to it. And when I told kind of, uh, you know, the folks I was working with um, on the committee, I was like, look, in the, the day, people are seeing our stuff. It's not us, it's not, it's not um, the marketing's fine, everything's fine, it's just, people are keyed in to, to what they want to be keyed into. Right. And, you know, I saw that this, a lot of, I had a lot of friends, my black friends who had kids and they might just black friends or couple relationships who came out for that. I mean, and they might have not come to a show before in a long time of ever. Right. But that right. was the draw. And with anything in town, man, you get, you get every, if, they're, if, they're, if anyone can ever pull Alvin Ailey here, Alvin Ailey Ballet. Oh my no. gosh. Right. 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 And I don't even, I mean, I go, I go to the ballet here and there, but you know, Alvin Ailey Ballet and Austin, man, like you would see, it'd be like Texas Relays, but black tie, because you'd see, you wouldn't think that many black people were in Austin or the Metro. You know, oh, yeah. that, that would be the, the thing. The oh, thing. it would be major. If we get, oh my God, that would do so much. I'm just kidding, even thinking about it right now. They, it would do so dude, much. Dude, yeah. I mean, they play, you know, they have the Austin Area Urban League had them, had a, a, a few of their dancers featured at their gala last year mm-hmm. and i went to that even even just you know they probably did a 10 minute 20 minute set right of right. Vegas, and it was um you know powerful right so uh yeah man i think uh you know again using your platform uh to get those arts out there definitely piqued my interest and um at least i'll be watching i'll be watching when it's streamed because we can't go on. the one time i probably would go right it's all, it's all locked up so there's that and then, okay, moving on to something that happened earlier this week, Monday, time's flying, uh, the Black Austin Matters um, uh, uh, street, I guess, street painting down Congress Avenue. I saw some comments you had about that. Um, so I wanted to get your take. And it's, you know, it's fair. I think there was balance because you, know, you, 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 you said what you said, and I think it comes from you know, a place from where you're about educated opinion. I want your, your take on that and also just the, the – similar and they're more the black lot or black lives matter uh street paintings in other cities um (sighs) (laughs) so it's it's a a lot it's a lot so first of all let's start with like maybe the good let's start with the good first of all it's not so much that i don't that i mind it because i i don't i think there is a message to be said there um for sure especially here locally saying black Austin matters. I think there's something to that. I think my issue with it, and I want to say this, um, it was done in conjunction with the, uh, the city and um, capital art, capital view arts, capital view arts. And I think e, the Austin justice coalition it, as it, well. It, yeah. Right. So well, who I, you know, Chaz Moore, he's, he's the, the front of that. And he's a person that I personally, <laughs> I admire his work and what he does over there. Um, I admire just their work in general. I just don't like, didn't like this because it just felt first the city. It was, it was the city's doing to, to an extent I, because they allowed it. It's there. It's the city street. 
So they allowed that to happen. Now, my issue with it is that, again, this is a city who, look, I, I love Austin. I love the possibility of Austin. I love the idea, this progressive potential, we'll say, because we're not there yet of Austin, in my opinion. That's, that's strictly my opinion. Um, this is a city that's sort of, you know, progressively beaten down black and brown people in certain ways, not just physically. Um, There's a report that just came out today of all the officer-involved shootings and or use of force that just came out actually today or yesterday, and all the people that were victims were black and brown people. So it's like, so you have that part of it, and then also the economic violent part of that Austin historically has done. Um, it is not like a this person or that person. Like, I'm not aiming my um, ire at, like, uh, Mayor Adler, you know, specifically, or somebody, you know, somebody like that, or council members. It's bigger than that. It's just... It's way bigger. It predates any of... It's just... It's it, it's institutional. A- ex- absolutely. The whole point of all is institutional racism that's threaded... I mean, like, anywhere else in America. Right. And so that's that's my thing about it. Um and it is something that I'm currently writing about. So that my next piece will be something even larger than the one that, that's actually out now. Um, it's just that part of it, I just kind of felt, I don't want to say it was disingenuous because obviously they felt a, a way to do it. They wanted to say something and they went and, you know, they were had all this these hands involved in it. I just, it, it made me, it touched a, a nerve and a, a bad nerve in me. I just, it wasn't, it wasn't real because you're institutionally, this is not, our lives do not matter here in Austin in in a very broad sense in the way that you, you move black and brown bodies around in the way that you sort of house them in these certain areas and institutionally you've kind of blocked in their vote institutionally, you've blocked them, their bodies in certain areas, um, you know, that kind of a thing. So, again, it's fine you put the sign down. It's fine you put the lettering down and all that, and it looks beautiful, both there and, I think, on the 11th Street. But does that mean that you're going to – like, are there any black businesses on Congress Avenue that you know of, AJ? I know. All right? No. So what, what, are we, what, what are we saying? What is the city saying, right? You Which know? I, man, too. I mean, you know, I, I the, just when it – when the – I looked at just kind of the, the comments and some of the uh, the Black Austin Facebook pages and, and Instagram and Twitter when it was painted. Yeah, I mean, I think your your reaction, the, the reactions ran the gamut, right? Pos- I mean, some folks saw it as a positive, at least it's something that's a visible symbol. Now let's get to, you know, beyond the time and place thing to policy. And we are seeing some of that, I'm hopeful, just on the police reform side. There were some news articles late right. yesterday. Um, and also there's a public safety committee that's meet, that met yesterday that's, that's new that actually is being it's the it's the four members who Councilmember Flanagan, Greg Councilmember Kassar, Mayor Pro Tim Garza, and Councilmember Gosh Harper Madison, who were the ones who had taken the this it was a symbolic vote, but it was against that four hundred thousand dollar grant to APD right. several weeks ago. And I know there um you know were the agenda when I looked at it the other day was very stacked and it was very much about APD. So steps you know that's the, that's the policy part right steps forward um and it was it was interesting i mean, i i personally i was when i i, I didn't know that was going to happen the uh the street painting i was um 
I, I was very, I, I still didn't go there and look at it for myself, right? But it was, I think as a step for the city, for me, someone's grown up here, I liked it, right? I think mm-hmm. even, even with there being no black businesses on, on Congress that I'm aware of, um, it's something that's very visible. It, it wasn't just on East 11th Street. And it throws to know right. East 11th Street and there around is probably is like the historic black part of Austin, quote, not even quote unquote, it is the black part of Austin, was anyway. Um, but Congress Avenue and having it, that, that to me was very important, I think, right? Visually, but now the work comes after that. And, you know, again, right, at the end of the day, it's, it's the tail of the tape. We'll see, we'll see the next, uh, next several months and years and years bring. But laying back to what I was saying about Texas Relays, and for those who aren't familiar with Texas Relays, it's a statewide, it's a nationwide track meet. Um, and I don't, is it still held in Austin? I can't remember. I want to say, yeah, but I mean, I could be wrong. I haven't been in a while. It's been a while, um, but historically, so when I was growing up, uh, when I was coming up in the 90s, yeah, from grade school to high school, and I went to, I went to, well, I went to the Science Academy at LBJ High, um, but that was the, Texas Relays was one of the pre, uh, preeminent black events in Austin, right? Oh, yeah. Nationwide, a national, a national, a national track meet, um, open call thing, you know, be the best, uh, athletes around the country come to this, all of the events, you know, all of all the events. And it was just, <laughs> I mean, the, the scene around, it was like, you know, you have South by and you have the events around South by. It was like that. It was a very just around that week in the spring, it got no, noticeably blacker in downtown Austin. Now Absolutely. the thing is, so when I, a friend of mine commented the day that the uh, black Austin matters was posted you know, it was getting a lot of comments and, and you know, and likes the, the, the painting from across, uh, you know, sectors of Austin. But what he wrote, I got to pull it up because it was on, I don't want to um, paraphrase him on this. Oh, it was like, okay, Austin, I, I just hope y'all keep that same energy next to relays, which I thought was, was right on point because for those who are also unaware, um, when text relays came to town, what happened a lot, what happened as, as long as I was aware was, a lot of a lot of bars and stuff end up closing, and other stuff would end up closing on that time, right? Right. Now you know we're here. You're not. We're here year round. So I look at that, and I, and I don't. I don't. I don't look to racism as the first thing, right? Or issues of race. I try to like look at everything else because that's you. You go to that, and then you get a whole different like mode of thought, right? And emotion. right. But when I look at it, you know, and I look at okay, well. All these other events come in town, Republic of Texas, Motorcycle Relay, which is predominantly white, um, South by, um, X-Fest back in the day, all these things. And I just don't see a lot of like color, blacks anyway. And then I see Texas Relays comes to town. I see all these a real major influx of black people and all these businesses closed down. Right. I just like, I, you know, I have to wonder, Karan, I don't know. But, you know, I, I just, I'm just a humble like, lobbyist man sometimes, you know. I got a lot of things going on, but like, I, I look at that and I'm like, well, I don't know what else, what else to point to besides that. And this See, is, that's it. That's right. That's it. I'm I mean, that's, I'm being facetious. I was totally about race. I mean, it's totally right. Just, I mean, obviously. <laughs> right. And it's just, you know, but we'll see. I mean, like you said, it's going to be, I think you made an important point just now. It's, it's not going to, it's going to be the months and years. It's, mm-hmm. it's very important. People remember that the months and years, years, like this is not this has got to be something that people that we're into and 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 looking for for strategy and policy were for years like it took us a long time to get here it would be foolish foolish for all of us black 
white whatever to think that this it's not going to take you know maybe it'll be a little bit faster because we know and you know there's so much proliferation of you know social media and this and that and we all know all this news and information can come up and we have all this stuff available everybody can see everything seems like at the same time so it'll be faster but it's still going to take time yeah um it's going to to take time the the, the stuff with you know, that's funny you brought that up with texas relays that's it's hilarious true, man. it's true it is it is but that's 100 I mean, percent on point woo. that's 100 percent on point yeah i would say man yeah i mean to your point about time right like from the time post-civil war till the civil rights act's passage i mean that was about 100 years where we were free but we weren't really free free until like our parents generation pretty much right it's i mean when they were coming up like it's not it was it's not in the arc of history it's not that long ago and some people want to kind of put it off. Well, look, you know, it, it might look at you or me and like things we're doing. Like, yeah, but you realize like, and not like in some talented 10th kind of bougie way, but on the whole, and you know, I had this thought when I was on a run this morning, what I know is that, yeah, like you and I aren't in competition. Like, you know, I, but if you, if you and I are in the same field, man, like there's, there is something where like only, only some of us are going to make it right. And, I and I'm not I don't want that right, but I I had that feeling and I don't right. I, I've never I've never dragged anyone else down or crabbing the bucket at anyone or or any of that kind of stuff. But like on some level, I, I acknowledge myself. Like man, like I know, like we're all. It's like I wish you well, man. Like I'm not gonna trip you or anything else. But like we look at it down the finish line, and I feel like only one of us is gonna make it. Right. Right. If, if we're the same way. If you if you and I are both writers, of the Chronicle wherever else and doing our thing right like you know what i mean and the perfect world we both have our shine but like i don't see it happening right not 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 and so it's it's this pressure like you know you know again not you you focus in your lane but realizing man in the day like i'm fighting for that spot that one spot for me or you know from you know as a black individual on this roster right i agreed i had ever seen agreed it will it's it's um I hate that feeling. It, it's it's and it's you know and that goes back again. That goes back to it's weird it, and it's unfortunate. And I know it's some people that it seems repetitive, but it that goes back to the the idea of uh, the, the slavery situation. You know, it's like who's trying to be the better? And, you know, you're right. It's like it's 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 very still much like in that sort of thing, like. And it's unfortunate that black people are having to feel that way, especially, you know, black men and and also even more so with black women, because now you don't, you have, you have it on all sides. So now you have it with, you know, you're competing with like, you know, other women, but then also you're black. So you have this sort of thing where you're, you're, you're boxed into these, you're trying to break ceilings and, break through doors and uh, figure out the lo- the locks of doors that you don't even know how to get through. And it makes it very, I, just, I get anxious thinking about it. I mean, that's, that's a very nerve wracking sort of feeling to have. Yeah. If it's you, you know, and you, you, in your leadership track, right. There's a black woman. Right. Right. And you know, I mean, again, like, yeah, it's like, you, I don't know, man. Like I, I think about that and it, it, it gives me anxiety sometimes. Not, I mean, I don't have. It's, you realize that's kind of the game we're in. I don't like it. And like, if I, if my dying day, if that was a thing that, you know, wasn't would be broken, that'd be one of the things I wanted to break to break out because it just, 
you know, we feel that we, are, we feel the pressure already perform. And then that, you know, we realize, look, man, like they're only one of us is going to make it in this kind of right. That's all we well, have to have our own. That's why we have to have our own stuff, not to cut you off, but that's why we have to have, we have to go uh, two tracks here. We have to make a pay. We have to pave ways in the white dominated fields that we're in. But then also we have to have, that's on one hand. And then on the other end, we have to make sure that, you know, like you, you're a business owner, you have your own thing, right? You have your own stuff. So that way you can empower people in that direction too. So you pave the way for people here and you bring people up from behind and then you make your way and you're bringing people with you as you make your, you make your way forward. So it has to be multi-pronged yeah. policy, pushing one direction, pushing like and the other thing, that's the, the, if nothing else, people have to remember that we can do it all, right? We yeah. can do it all. We can do it going all, this is a 360 deal. We can all push in every single direction simultaneously. They do not have to be competing things, Yeah. competing ideas. You're doing it all. You're doing it this way. You're doing it that way. You're pushing it all over the place until you, you know you're, you're, you're making a way and you're making real progress. And we're, we're, you know, I would say that both of us are doing that. Yeah, and um, so come back to it too as well as making sure again why what I have enjoyed my you know I've been back in Austin 12 years now as post post uh, school and it is um even like again I had that I don't there's you know that talk about the underlying thought of like we're all in this race and only some of us are going to make it kind of deal and it's it's not so much like on a like a, mac, ma- a micro level but on a, on a macro level it's everything from where you live what clubs you're in what boards you're on, all this stuff. Because when, when I look around on a macro level nationally, I realize there's, I just don't see many of me, right? I don't, men or women. Right. Men or women. And you look at it, and okay, well, again, I don't, why is, it, why is this, right? What's the reason, right, historically? Right. And for a reason, like, you know, I had that, that post, that CEO note, but like whether it's luck or whatever you want to call it, I'm going to say it's a blessing, but whatever reason, of all the things that could have tripped me up in, tripped me up in life, X, Y, and Z, da, da, just me being me walking around or being a you know, teenager doing teenage things or I anything. Got I've got this far and like I'm right. here and this dude over here didn't make it because he was in the wrong place. He was doing the exact thing I was doing and just didn't just, you know, got caught up or just walking home and whatever. Right. And it's like, well, shoot. So then what do you do with that? I used to cut myself there. Shoot. What do you do with that? And you realize to your point though, to me, it is like, okay, I'm in my space what am I doing with it? Right. It's, 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 you know, I have like my podcast. I started, who am I having the show? It'd be right. very easy for me just to have, a, you know, pretty much majority audience or, or guests right on the show. Um, but you look at the last 93 episodes or so, I mean, it's been, I mean, it's been intentionally diverse, but it wasn't that hard to do. Right. It was just a one little extra step out and say, Oh, I want to, you know, and actually they're all there. It wasn't even that they're all there. It's just, we're willing to look. And you know, even in Austin, man, like it's even That's in Austin, it. they're there. That's so, it. Um, keeping on the the track, though, just of uh, the current culture. Uh, thoughts on the removal of Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben, and then also the addition of multicolored band aids to the Band Aid brand. Um, again, flesh colored. <laughs> flesh colored. I mean, again, you know, I, I like the. Uh, I guess who is it? Who makes band-aids Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. Um, I like that they're, you know, cause the, the flesh color, obviously the flesh color band-aid is a, is a, you know, it's a sim- symbol of, of white centering. Right. So I like that they're kind of 
you know, moving that off the table. And I, I dig that. The, in, the, the, the more insidious stuff with Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben's. Um, that's interesting. I, 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 obviously, I, I, applaud, I applaud it to a certain extent because it's something that should have already been done. Like, we shouldn't have had somebody, you know, literally be lynched on tele on, on TV, on social media for you to get to the point that you want to uh, take away these, like, very obviously, you know, racist kind of stereotypes yeah, on your branding. Yeah. Right. Like, so it's, it's, it's still problematic that you did that, but it's done. I'm glad it's done. And you know that, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Like we'll see what happens with other brands who have similar sorts of, um, I'm trying to think of some other brands who have similar like iconography. Um, look at the chiefs. I mean, it's not, you know, the Reds, the Reds, yeah, the Redskins, Chiefs. I don't even call them that because I just, you know, I just, you know, there are people who'd be like the team in Washington. Yes. I just say Washington or Kansas City or Cleveland. I don't like saying the Indians. I don't like – I'm I'm uh, an Atlanta <laughs> an Atlanta Braves fan. I hate even saying that. Yeah. But, but I don't – I just say Atlanta. I don't say the Braves. I try not to. Like, I try not to say the Redskins. Like, to me, that's – it's uh, insensitive. I don't like any of that stuff. Um, you know, yeah, man, so I'm with it. Yeah, I think too, right? So you talk, they use the word insensitive. I think some people, what I've also been seeing a lot around these conversations that have come up uh, with folks, you know, Gordon Black last several weeks is just, it's like an issue of perspective. So like, I'm not Native American, but I could put, just as a minority, as a black black person, I could put myself in the shoes of, what must it be like to see an you know, like iconography that just really kind of cartoonizes my, my people, right? Right. My, or kind of my, or makes a, makes a brand, a multi-billion-dollar brand off of, a, off of a key part of my culture. Right. Right. And so it's, um, I can understand that. And I don't necessarily, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not Native American at all. I don't have, I, have, I don't have Native American friends. But I can put myself in the shoes of, well, okay, well, what would happen if, like, I lost my property to and had to move over here and think and think about it, and then how right. I feel. And when I'm seeing, when I'm recognizing a lot of, you know, again, it's unfortunate that, it, that the circumstances had to happen to happen with this, but that there was just for some folks, a, God, a good amount of folks in this country, just not even an unwillingness. This just they never had to have perspective. True. Right. Because True. if you do, it's just, and I think by virtue, just of, being my, of us being minorities, you, we, had, well, we had to put ourselves a perspective of, okay, like, okay, if a cop walk up to us, how do we make sure, we're, you know, the degree we can, just how are we being perceived, right? Actually, I think that's a lot of it for us, is how, that perspective of how, are we, how do we look if we're in a room where it's just us? How, are we, how do we talk? How are we dressed? What do we do, right? To a degree, and that perspective transfers over, though, when, I can understand why I see another marginalized group in any part of the world getting rolled on. I can get it, right? Whether it's Gaza, right. whether it's, you know, some tribe in Brazil, whatever it may be, um, minority groups, in the, you know, anywhere. Like, you, you understand, right? Absolutely. A level. You can be, you know, Arabs in Paris, wherever else. Same, you get it. You, Muslim in Paris, you get it. And I'm hopeful that out of all this, there is more perspective. Like, again, I don't need someone 
again, you, someone putting black, me personally, someone putting black lives matter on the Facebook wall is meaning to me. If someone, and you can be conservative. It doesn't matter being conservative. It's just, can you just say, look, I, I can understand, you understand why I feel the way I feel, why this is that, right? Like, you don't have to, I'm not gonna say agree, but you can have a willingness to put yourself in my shoes and do that mental exercise or our shoes rather to try that. Right. Absolutely. I understand. Uh, agree. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, just for people to do, you speak of the people doing the work. Um, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of people and I want, you know, I want to say this cause I think it's important. Um, there's already a lot of information out there. <laughs> so I think a lot of people that, you know, they ask us questions of, well, well, what can I do? You know, I watched this thing with just a little bit ago with um, Emmanuel Acho, who's cool. And, you who know, he's he got this. Right who is he? Uh, who is he? Now, Emmanuel, it, he used to, he's a former UT football player, was a great player, uh, played in the NFL. Now is in a, 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 an ESPN uh, commentator, analyst. Um, very accomplished. His brother, I think, still plays. In, if I'm not mistaken, Sam Acho, I think he still plays, I want to say. Um, but he has a, sh- a show called Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man. I think I've gotten that right. Yeah, that's right. And that's it had right. Matthew McConaughey on it. And, um, you know, and you, there's this thing where I get it. Okay, Matthew asks, he's like, what, what, what more can I do? And I don't have an issue with that because in, in a vacuum, because especially if you're already doing the work. Now, if you're coming to me, you, you don't know anything. You're just like saying, hey, I feel bad about the situation. <laughs> Tell me what to do. Like, no, like, so I'm going to say to people who listen, like, there are books. There's Ta-Nehisi Coates. There's James Baldwin. There's Nikki Giovanni. There's Bell Hooks. There's so much information out there. If you have a question for us as black people in the midst of your study, I'm there for you because you're in it. Now you're in it. Now you're trying to get into it and you're trying to understand. I I get it. But if you're just coming to me for the Cliff's Notes, okay, I'm going to have a problem. I'm just going to tell you right now, for me personally, I'm going to have a problem because there's too much information you know, you trying to get into it now, I want you to just get into it. Like, don't ask me a question. Just find all the books you can and hail all the information you can. Suck it all in. Listen to black people. Don't have questions yet. Just listen. Listen and listen and listen. And then as you find out more information, it's very obvious that you're learning and you're really pushing forward and you're, you know, it's an action everything's in, in, in for me is about action then come i'm ready whatever you got i have for you i'm gonna answer whatever question to the best of my ability um and that's all i'm gonna say about that i don't want to go too heavy and kind yeah. of you know overpower yeah. all this but yeah i think that's just important to say as far as people putting in that work um that back. mental emotional work yeah i agree i want to come back to uh just your your current article out at least online today in the Austin Chronicle and talk about that some. And then okay. we'll uh, include that in the show notes as well. Um, but uh, talk about that a little bit. Um, well, the piece was, it first kind of started as, I wonder what people are doing. I wonder what specifically, initially, was black and brown people were doing in, in the midst of COVID. And of course, you know, I mostly write about music and musicians. So I wanted to kind of use them as a proxy 
for the community, um, especially given that a lot of them are were are essential workers. You know, some of them do work at grocery stores, or they work in and they're they're in warehousing. Um, but it's like their passion, though. Their so their work is essential that they're doing to support themselves is essential. But their passion right now is not essential. Nobody's really performing anything like that. So. And but some of the people, um, their whole lives are dependent on people being interacting with him. Like um, I interviewed uh, Chorizo Funk, uh, Eddie Campos, who's that was uh, a great interview. And you know his entire livelihood up until this, you know, as far as we know in Austin, has been people being in close quarters. Where now that's inherently dangerous to, for people to be that, you know, so you wonder, you, you know, wonder how's, how, how, did, how does my career go forward as a DJ mm-hmm. where you thought this, you know, I can go to Austin, I go to all these cities and I can go around and do my thing. Now it, it seems that my job is going to be the continuation of it is, is going to be a hazardous to people. So is it even going to be a viable career now? So I wanted to talk to people about, how they feel about COVID. And then also on top of that, put a layer of the realities for all black and brown people in term, and especially here in, in Austin, Texas, in Travis County, and then out and out and out, in that we're being uh, disproportionately infected. We're dying disproportionately from COVID-19. Um, and then also you know, quite frankly, putting the city to some ex- to an extent to task. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, we've, the last time we had this sort of thing in the city was back in 2016 when um, the young man who had the, the kind of the mental episode ended up being, he was running in the street, running naked. Yeah. And, he, and he was shot by, the, by an ABT, a, APD officer in North Austin. Then we did this whole thing where, oh, we're going to do all these, you know, committees about institutional racism and this and that. And I'm not saying they've done zero. They've done, there's a few things that, that have um, kind of sprung out of that, which are positive. But by and large, I, I would say sh- we've done a lot out of, since those reports and initial programs and committees, not a lot has happened. So where we've had opportunities to make changes, it doesn't seem like we've, as a city, done so. So I say all that to say this, now the state is able to, you know, through this reopening, it kind of becomes this thing where, where, where they're reopening, reopening. It does not seem that they care about who it's going to affect because it's probably going to affect people who are not white. Now, that, that is my perception of it. Because the numbers are clear. The numbers are clear, not just in America, not just in Texas, not just in Austin, but worldwide. Unless you live in this homogeneously white, you know, like in, uh, uh, in Italy, mm-hmm. um, most places here, right here in America, black and brown people are disproportionately affected. And it's going to affect them more. It's, it's just the fact of the matter. So because Austin has not taken care of its issues as, as far as institutional racism here, the state almost kind of, the city of Austin is riding basically, you know, in the sidecar. And the state is driving this. Mm-hmm. And so now because you didn't fix your issues, you're not able to get black and brown people out of the way, right? Now you, it's because they're in denser areas. 
and because people are they're being packed in these certain areas and in, in, in outside of like single family housing. So it becomes like now you were talking about and that's not just about COVID. Now we're talking about and I'm going to talk about this later in future things about zoning and things like that. So it becomes a lot of this this issue that becomes they're all kind of happening concurrently. Well, yeah, and uh, on the issue of zoning, um, I'll put this in the notes, too, because that, uh, for those who aren't familiar, there's a, a, a thing called the 1928 Master Plan, which goes to all this, and you know, we're feeling ripples of that today, to all your points, that this was a, a master plan that, you know, city officials drew up back in the 20s to, that divide the city, like, along, you know, you had the white part of town, you had it really divided up on, through what is now I-35. Um, on the east, you had uh, black, blacks, you had Mexicans, right? And that was it. And those those lines hold. This, I mean, it's changing now because of gentrification. But for the long for a long time through, I mean, I moved. We, my family moved here in '91, and you know they've held through that. I mean, you're seeing obviously like Schultz Chacon around there. It's changed dramatically, right? But it, those were those lines held, and you see that now too. Even you know, I think honestly, but for the ten one district system, you'd still have um, the gentleman's agreement. The, the gentleman's agreement that was in place with the city, where you had one black seat and one Mexican seat. Right. And that held. That held from the 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 fifties up to two thousand twelve when we voted when the or two thousand fourteen when the city voted when we citizens voted to do ten one. And the only reason we had, that gentleman's agreement was in place because I think two black guys almost won. Right. At the time, like okay, we can't have that happen again. But think about that, right? you know, fifties to two thousands where, and most cities of our size at that point have been district systems anyway, which would, you know, as soon as that happened, as soon as we got 10, one, we had three, you know, we still, we had one black seat or one black person elected, but we had three Hispanic officials elected. Right. First time, the first Latina, Miraport Tendelia Garza elected. So, I mean, progress was made, right. Um, but it was held back for a long time. And like, that's in a, you know, a liberal, liberal Austin. We had, the, I, don't, I don't think most people know that, if you're not in politics or, you know, you, you don't follow it, that what that agreement was and it held and it was known, it wasn't official, but it was just the way things were going to be. Right. Right. For that long. Think about how long that is. Yeah, that's what I grabbed me. Yeah. That's, that's, that's two or three generations. Right. Yeah. That's a long we're time. Alive. And like those things aren't the power. You study American history in world history, human history. It's not easily undone. Even a law in itself doesn't undo like there, I always tell people, man, like there's the law, like for us, there's the law and there's the law. Right. And right. you know, there's, yes, I have civil rights, but I'm not, I, me, myself, am not going to, even if I went to a protest, I'm not going to call a cop any such thing or anything, I think, um, because I know my rights are my rights, but saying that stuff, I'm probably getting my head busted or at least the odds of making my head cracked or whatever else are probably going to be increased. And is it right? right. No, but I also realize and it wasn't like my parents ever had to have the, you know, the quote unquote talk with me. But I also realized at a certain point, you realize, do you want to survive in this country? And yeah, you, you know, you pick your fights and some people want to fight, will fight everything. But also realizing, yeah, there's a cost, or, you know, I, we have the rights we have and you can exercise them, but at least until reforms are made, uh, there's a cost to you exercising your rights, which we've seen that, we've seen that play out every day. Um, the right. protests and historically right protests and anything right and that's just is a hard pill i think for some people to get well perspective but it's true 100 percent true 100 percent true I mean, even the protesting that we did recently 
we know. I mean, there have been already reports that just the you know it's so it 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 just keeps coming back around. Just the police handling and the way that they shape and mold the protesting, pushing pushing them down certain ways, that even probably is going to uh, hike up the COVID nineteen numbers. Not the protest itself that we had recently nationwide, but but also the other things. So it's it's a it's a it's a uh, continuous multi-level, multi-layer situation to, to, to kind of manage. Well, Karan, thank you for your time. Always a pleasure talking to you on the show or even offline. Um, hope you do well. I know it's a day-by-day thing, but I wish you the best. And, um, you know, I know we'll talk more in, Absolutely. on, on IG and everything else. Have yeah, a, man. Have a good weekend. Thank you for having me.